0: The EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the Church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis.
1: Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider. As usual, before I look at the news headlines, I want to tell you about my guest in the interview segment. EWTN's Father John Paul Chaplain to EWTN staff He spends several weeks each year with the Rome Bureau staff and this week and next we'll talk about that as well as his life as a missionary of mercy and he has especially meaningful words on being a confessor in fact it will give you a wonderful new view about confessor priests next week he will tell us about the third international meeting of missionaries of mercy with Pope Francis and much more Now, here are the top news stories of the week. The big news of last weekend actually occurred on Saturday, as Vatican Insider was airing. In an interesting development, the Holy See Press Office announced that Pope Francis will make a pastoral visit to L'Aquila on August 28th for the annual Celebration of Forgiveness. This city in the Abruzzo region was devastated by a massive earthquake in 2009. August 28th is the day after the Pope creates 21 new Cardinals, and the day before the two days of meetings in the Vatican, August 29th and 30th, with the entire College of Cardinals. Pope Francis is scheduled to say Mass in L'Aguila in front of the Basilica of Santa Maria de Colimaggio, that houses the tomb of Pope Celestine V. He was the last Pope before Benedict XVI to resign the papacy, doing so in December 1294. Benedict XVI, in fact, visited his tomb in 2009 during a visit to the earthquake-struck city, leaving the pallium he wore at inaugural mass of his pontificate. In fact, of course, we know Benedict resigned the papacy in 2013. Speculation on a possible papal resignation has multiplied since last Saturday, and there was breaking news Friday, June 10th, from Holy See Press Office Director Matteo Bruni, and this could add fuel to the fire. He said at the request of his doctors, and in order not to jeopardize the results of the therapies undergoing for his knee, the Holy Father has been forced to postpone, with regret, his apostolic journey to the Democratic Republic of Congo and to South Sudan, planned for July 2 to 7, to a later date to be determined. Pope Francis is also scheduled to visit Canada from July 24 to the 29th. Now, many news stories this week, and some I have greatly abbreviated. Sunday morning, June 5th, in St. Peter's Basilica, Cardinal Giovanni Battista Re, Dean of the College of Cardinals, presided at Mass for the Feast of Pentecost in the presence of Pope Francis and hundreds of faithful. Resplendent in red vestments, the color of Pentecost that symbolizes the tongues of fire that descended upon the Apostles in the First Pentecost, several hundred priests, bishops, and cardinals filled the majestic basilica. The Holy Father was seated in an armchair in front of the statue of St. Longinus, facing the papal altar. Brought by wheelchair to the base of the papal altar, he delivered a powerful homily on the Holy Spirit, using the Jesuitical focus on three concepts. He said, the Spirit teaches us where to begin, what paths to take, and how to walk. And Francis developed each concept at length. After Mass, from the window of his study in the Apostolic Palace, Pope Francis recited the Regina Caeli with an estimated 25,000 faithful in St. Peter's Square. He made yet another heartfelt appeal to national leaders to seek a diplomatic solution to the war in Ukraine, and he asked all men and women of goodwill to continue to pray timelessly for peace. I renew my appeal to those who govern nations. Do not lead humanity to ruin. Please, do not lead humanity to ruin. The new apostolic constitution on the Roman Curia, Predicate Evangelium, came into force on Pentecost Sunday. Monday, June 6th, Pope Francis spoke to members of the Dicastery for Interreligious Dialogue as they celebrate their plenary assembly. He reiterated his appeal for dialogue based on the acceptance of diversity and respect for the other as the only alternative to the fragmentation and conflict we experience in the world today. This follows his urgent plea on Pentecost Sunday to government leaders to step back and avoid leading humanity to ruin. This dicastery, formerly a pontifical council, was founded by St. Paul VI in 1964 during Vatican Council II and called the Secretariat for Non-Christians. Also Monday, Pope Francis expressed his closeness to the bishop and faithful of the Diocese of Ondo in Nigeria, where a deadly attack on Pentecost Sunday claimed the lives of 50 Catholic faithful. The telegram conveyed his sorrow at the horrific attack that took place in a Catholic church. Tuesday, June 7th, Pope Francis sent a message to participants in the fourth meeting of the Catholic Church in Amazonia, urging them to renew their missionary outreach to proclaim the gospel. He said his heart was full of joy and hope to see the Christian communities in the Amazon Basin work together to help give the church a new face with Amazonian characteristics. He recalled the first such meeting was held 50 years ago in the same city of Santarém in northern Brazil. Wednesday, June 8th, Pope Francis stressed the tenderness of the elderly at the Weekly General Audience in St. Peter's Square, saying the tenderness of the elderly and grandparents highlights how God is equally tender with us. He was continuing his series of catecheses on the meaning and value of old age in the light of God's Word, and this week reflected on the New Testament figure of Nicodemus. Also Wednesday. Pope Francis sent a telegram of condolences to the Sovereign Order of Malta, expressing his closeness to members as they mourn the sudden death of Lieutenant Grandmaster Fra Marco Luzzago. Thursday, June 9th, Pope Francis met with the bishops and priests of the Italian island of Sicily and urged them to draw near and show tenderness to the many Sicilians who feel bitterness and disappointment due to a lack of employment. Priests must be courageous moral guides who lift up their compatriots through all of their problems, including migration, unemployment, and the Mafia. Also Thursday, the Holy Father received in audience Danny Dayan, chairman of the Yad Vashem, the World Holocaust Remembrance Center in Jerusalem, and he reiterated his commitment to help fight anti-Semitism. He also welcomed Peter Fiala, prime minister of the Czech Republic. Friday, June 10th, The Holy Father received in audience Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission and an entourage, also children from the Iroma or Gypsy Parish in Blaj, Romania, participants in the international seminar A Life According to Christ, and also members of the Federation of Catholic Family Associations in Europe. The Pope called for the Church to accompany families, and he deplored threats such as the pandemics of loneliness, surrogacy, and pornography. He said children are an indispensable resource for the future and never a threat towards the environment. Well, those are the news highlights. Now stay for my conversation with EWTN's chaplain, Father John Paul. (laughs)
0: This is Cecilia Flannery, director of Divine Mercy Radio. The world needs Catholic Radio because it changes lives and saves souls for Jesus. It brings each of us closer to Him. And when you're closer to Jesus, there's a very good chance you will spend eternity with Him. Catholic Radio not only changes your life in this world, it changes it for all of eternity. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. From Rome to your home, EWTN's Vatican Bureau lets you watch all of the important events from Rome, even if you don't have a TV. Using the latest technology, we've made it possible to watch the latest news from the Holy See, all delivered directly to your home. It's easy. Watch live on EWTN YouTube and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis.
1: Well, I want to welcome my listeners to a, a new edition of Vatican Insider. And my special guest today is a special friend, but a name, someone, every one of you knows. You've probably even met him in person, talked to him, and but you've seen him on TV. And that is our wonderful Father John Paul. Now, Father, of course, he is a missionary of mercy. We're going to talk about that, but he's also the chaplain to EWTN employees, and obviously, he's in Rome right now, so, Father John Paul, welcome.
2: It's good to be here in Rome again, especially after uh, uh, two years of uh, pandemic, where everything uh, was closed down here in Rome, and it's so wonderful, Joan, to see Rome alive. People coming back, the streets alive, Uh, came to Rome in uh, 2021, last year, and... The streets were a little barren. it was starting to open up yeah. again, but now I was just in uh, St Peter's Square walking through and it's alive. Rome is meant to be alive. Oh yeah uh, it's not just Rome is not just a, a place where there's ancient uh, streets, ancient churches. it's the people it's the faith of the people that are drawn here sure. to Rome because who is buried here in Rome? Saints everywhere on every corner. Six but,
1: of the twelve apostles. Exactly. That's
2: what I was going to mention. <laughs> yeah. St. Peter. St. Peter's bones are literally right next to us, right across the street. From at, your and John house. Paul.
1: Um, at St. Joseph's altar in St. Peter's. Yes. Is Simon and Jude. Yes. So we have three yes. apostles yes. buried uh, buried in that beautiful church. And I did have lunch with Teresa Tamio yesterday and her husband. We We have a radio show, of course. We were saying, This is so amazing. We were like 100 yards from the Pantheon. And, you know, we said, wherever you have lunch in this city, you're about 100 feet from a church. You are. And you're surrounded by 15th century, 14th, two millennia. It's it's an amazing place, and it's wonderful to see people come back. I don't sense fear, you know, I, I sense people delighted to be here. Not worried about, you know, the I coronavirus. Do, I do so too. Uh, Could
2: you imagine if the churches were as packed and alive as the streets are? And oh, I say this because wow. sure. I say, because our Lord is present in the churches, sure. in the Eucharist. And in the United States, we're about ready to start a, a Eucharistic revival Thank God. in faith. And that's needed all throughout the world. John Paul II spoke about a rediscovery of the Eucharist. Oh, yeah. So what if all these people in the streets... That we're here, even just to see the Pope, we're crowding churches. We're coming before the Blessed Sacrament. We're going to Mass and adoration. What? What if that would happen? It'd be amazing
1: it really really would i know the uh having talked to so many priests in the last year one of the big concerns obviously is the people who for a while we were forced to have mass online and that's the only thing you could go to but you know will people return if they don't return why Hmm. when you've got all the health measures and the church is cleaned and you've got hand sanitizer and everything you know and mask wearing so um but your time here now has been obviously to be a chaplain to us. Like yes, thirty-five or so. I enjoy that
2: very much.
1: And and daily mass. So your life as a chaplain and and your life as a as a priest is is really really special. But what I'd love to talk about today, our accent, if you will, mm-hmm. is your life, your ministry as a, a missionary of mercy. Just to make sure that our listeners understand this. You know, the Pope set this up for the 2016 Jubilee of Mercy, yes. established the Missionaries of Mercy, mm-hmm. and there were lots of wonderful stories and news yes. items and pictures and masses, but have people forgotten, you know, that you're, you're still around. So yes. tell us how you were... Fi- um, You found out that you were selected to be a missionary.
2: Well, first of all, our superior sent out uh, an email, just like he does on a lot of things. Are you interested in doing this retreat or this initiative? And I think for myself, when I get these emails, a lot of times I'm real hesitant on adding anything else to my schedule.
1: Oh, sure. We all (laughs) all are. Our
2: time is very precious. Sure. But there was something, I think, when I got that email from Father Anthony that it really struck me. And all it said was it was an invitation from uh, the Pontifical Council of Promotion of New Evangelization, which is now uh, dicastery under a different structure. Um, That's a whole other topic. Right, It was an invitation to priests to um, avail themselves and to offer to give their ministry during this extraordinary Jubilee Year of Mercy as missionaries of mercy. Uh, Pope Francis wrote the... Uh, uh, the bull, uh, Misericordia Vultus, the face of mercy. Right. And he spoke about wanting to have priests to be missionaries of mercy that would be living and tangible expressions of the Father's love, of the Father's welcome, of the Father's embrace. And I read that invitation, and there was something, I'm not, I'm far from being mystical or anything like that. But it like struck that, a chord it, with But you. it, it yeah. struck a chord for me. That you know how you get these signal graces, I think everybody maybe experiences those, like taps from the Lord. Right. Like, I want you to do this. Your guardian angel saying, hey, listen. I want you to do this. So I responded back to that email, and, and Father Anthony said, well, why don't you ask the bishop? The bishop wrote a letter. I sent that off with my letter to Rome. They responded back. I think it was uh, a couple months later. Uh, I got a response back that I was chosen to be by. Uh, one wow. of the missionaries of mercy, so it wasn't a, a hard process in the very beginning. It was a very interesting po- process. I, I I should say that all of us are numbered, so we all receive a number on our on our papal bull that says we are commissioned. Oh, so, so e- and each of us, I think now they're a hun- now they're a thousand and four forty. My number is zero 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 two. Wow. Now I don't know who's ahead of me.
1: What does that mean? One of our other brothers
2: joked and said, "Well, of course, Jesus is the first missionary of mercy. He comes from all eternity." Good point. You know, and I would be. So, I. That being said, I think I was one of the first ones who. Answered the first ones to right. write into the congregation.
1: and you were welcomed. Uh, you were welcomed right away, and of yeah. course, the focus of a missionary of mercy—not just the priesthood, but the priesthood in the confessional. Yes, in in, in particular, yeah. and that really struck me. And oh, and by the way, you're in Rome now because there's yes. the third international meeting of the missionaries of mercy, and the Pope did
2: mm-hmm. welcome
1: you all. So, what were some of the highlights? Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. the Pope. We already knew this, but the Pope kind of reminded you that the missionaries of mercy are now part of the Roman Curia, kind of what you said a minute ago. You are part of this new dicastery for evangelization. Now, what does this mean? This is fixed. This is forever.
2: We will see what this means in Article uh, 59 of the new apostolic constitution, which will come in force uh, June 5th. Exactly. Exactly we will see what this means and and this was spoken to us um, at our meeting and also the pope himself i should say this the pope himself looked at us i think he might even went off his script and he looked at us at our meeting and said i put that in there
1: oh he's always said that directly. Um, very close to his yeah. heart is confession and mercy.
2: Yeah, I, I put he's i put you in there and who wow. knows I mean, who knows what this is going to mean but yes we are we are in the article 59 in the Apostolic Constitution of the Church, and under the theme of, um, of the Dicastery of Evangelization, which has two subsettings, yeah, we will see what that will mean.
1: The other night, you and I had dinner at uh, the very famous La Vittoria with mm-hmm. another missionary, and that was Father Joseph Arsenault of Kansas City, in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Father and I had met at that uh, Roman night meeting that EWTN organized last week. And he said he's a fan of my work, et cetera, et cetera. So three of us had a wonderful dinner, but John Paul, I have to say, I, I wish... You wish
2: you would have had this Oh, recorder. yes, the recorder, <laughs>
1: yeah. right, right in the middle of the table. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been, it was, for us, the most riveting conversation, mm. and it really focused on both mm. of you, your, your time mm. as a missionary uh, of mercy, and what so your priest confessors and you you were assigned special privileges. Tell us a little bit about what is that special privilege.
2: Okay, so uh, there's a lot of things to talk about. But first of all, the, the mandate itself that the Holy Father gave us in the Jubilee year gave us uh, special faculties that are connected to remitting reserved censures, crimes uh, that persons have committed. And usually these crimes, these censures, are normally... Uh, to be dealt with through the Apostolic Penitentiary, and or even are reserved to the Holy Father to remit, or the Penitentiary. And, and
1: just to let our listeners know, Penitentiary—the sure. word might suggest prison. Yeah. But um, in the Church, it's one of the three tribunals, yes. and it deals exclusively with the sacrament of confession. Yeah,
2: with the internal yeah. forum. And yeah. and it's it's interesting. It's one of the only uh, the offices in Rome that continues even when a Roman Pontiff dies. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because the, forgi- the forgiveness of sins is always, even when a Rome Pontiff dies, usually all everything ceases, office right. ceased, decisions are ceased, but that office continues, and and this is should be interesting to our viewers because the Church takes very seriously the forgiveness of sins.
1: Well, very the Pope said that was so close to his heart, and thus you missionaries of mercy exist. Yes,
2: and so. The, the specific censures, the crimes, uh, and I should say they're very rare, they're very sure. rare that you would deal with these type of things, but, the, but the, reason, the reason why there is law in the church, the reason why there are these uh, censures are because they're crimes that have been
1: committed. And they're crimes that are not related to civil crime. Right. Um, in, except there, the only crime would right. be abortion, which would be the right. taking of a life. But right. other than that, right. Um, the, the disrespect, throwing the sacrament, the Eucharist, right. You know, and
2: that's the highest on the code of canon law. Yeah, is the desecration of the <laughs> of, Eucharist. Of the Eucharist, exactly. you know, the, the, That's a crime that is reserved actually to the to the Holy Father, and um, he gave that all to to us missionaries of mercy, so people can come. Maybe at some time in their life they did commit this no sure. grievous sin and they and they they have been <clears throat> away from the sacrament of penance so they had the freedom to approach us uh to have that sin lifted and forgiven um so that that is one of them um as well as uh if a priest breaks the seal the sacramental seal oh, the confession. of confession sure. which is very rare i might mention right. uh, to, it's a very sacred seal i think i think almost all the majority of priests Take that so seriously.
1: Oh, and any pe- priest I've ever talked and, to in and my people, and people and yeah. people
2: should know that are listening that that this is very rare, very rare, um, and also it uh, the the censure of uh, if if a priest would absolve an accomplice that he's committed a sin against the sixth commandment. True, right. So it's a very serious sin, um, and I should say again, it's very rare. I, I always thank, thank I, the Lord. I right. always like to say that and couch that. When people hear these censures, people get a little hesitant and think, is that possible? Do priests do that? Well, you know, it's a sinful world.
1: We're all human beings, so to be weak or to fail is just part of of the human nature, not the nature that God gave us, because Adam and Eve took away that um, ability for us to be without sin, but... So, so, so the,
2: and there are two other ones: the, the physical, oh, thank you. Yes. physical harm to the Roman Pontiff. So that's rare. That's that, that's that's very that's rare as it is. Um, and also, this is an interesting one that they added a couple of years ago. So when a person um, records a sacramental confession, oh right, for distribution on the social media. Which, uh, it's interesting because um, that the reason why the, the, there are these crimes or written into law is because they've happened before.
1: Well, I remember with John Paul, This I don't think it was in canon law then, um, and it may have been because of this, but when um, Pope John Paul, St. John Paul, began hearing confessions in um, yes. Holy Week, in St. Peter's, and in the beginning, nobody knew he was going to do this. The gendarmes, nobody was even ready. So it was better organized the second year uh, in which he decided to hear confessions, and people were more or less chosen, and and um, asked a few questions about who they you know, uh-huh. are you Catholic in the first place, but somebody was actually caught with going in with a recorder, and uh-huh. then they just decided they kept a person's backpack or yes. purse or Yes. Or or whatever. With John Paul I don't even think when this happened that there was the social media of mm. today.
2: I think I should mention that confession is very sacred and we should want to keep it, you know, very private. With the technology that we exist today in our culture, like yeah. with our smartphones and stuff, you know, I think it's very wise for both both priests and lay people to keep that out. The digital world is, world is always listening. Siri is always on. So, I know. So I think, I think it is a good thing to keep those devices out of the confessional. Oh, sure. Out of that realm of the confessional.
1: We have to know, as we want to have with the best friend, mm-hmm. whom we seek out when we have a problem. It can mm-hmm. be health or finance, whatever it is, a family problem. And we trust that person implicitly. Right. We have to know. Right. That in confession, right. and actually, the confessor probably has to hope that of us. Yes, but more yes. than anything else, because it is part of your vow, we have to know that we go in this small space with utter, total confidence. This is someone that literally we can trust. We entrust our soul to. Amen. When you think about it,
2: I, I think the I always like to think of the the Bible passage of Moses approaching the burning bush when mm-hmm. when the lord reveals his name you know to moses and that he takes he, he says take your shoes off because you're on holy ground i think the confessional that sacred space in which someone's going to confession is holy ground is some of the holiest ground on the face of the earth because that's the space in which somebody opens up their conscience right you're dealing in the realm of of, of the sacred and in the, in the conscience some some consciences that people are opening up dark places in their lives pe- places that they have been hurt maybe they have hurt other people and they they are opening up those those wounds those places before another human being before yeah, me as exactly. a priest and before God most of all
1: well you're in persona Christian Christi. I mean in the, con- in the confessional consecrating is the, the Eucharist and uh, people who come to the confessional, I have to have a certain degree even of humility.
2: And, and us too as confessors. Sure. Because it does take humility for anybody to kneel down and to confess their sins before another human being. Sure. But for the confessor on the other side, I think this is the Holy Father's point that he wanted to make to us, is to be humble enough to recognize that this person is sacred. That what has brought them there is God's grace first of all. They are there to see... Seek the Lord's mercy. The Holy Father said this to us, uh, not this time, but a couple of years ago. He said, make sure you realize that when people come to you in confession, that you are not seeing sin. You know, you may hear sin. People may convey sins to you. But the person on the other side, the person in front of you, you are not looking at sin, but you are looking at a child of God. Yeah. that that person on the other side of the confessional is a daughter a son of god first and foremost yes and that that's the way god looks at us holy father says god god doesn't look at us and say look at that sinner no, the holy father said that's a child of god god wants us to be his sons and daughters absolutely and he wants us to be reconciled
1: well that's all the time i have this week with father john paul chaplain to ewtn staff who spent several weeks each year with the EWTN Rome Bureau staff. How wonderful were his words on his life as a missionary of mercy, especially as a confessor. Come back next week when he tells us more about his time in Rome and the meeting of the missionaries of mercy with Pope Francis.
0: For more information on these stories, or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, Go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic
2: Radio Network.